Well, welcome back, everybody, to Sex and Couples Therapy with a Happy Ending Therapist. That's me. I'm Donna Harris-Richards, and I'm here with my lovely producer, Vicki, today. Hi, Vicki. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, and I forgot to say that I'm an LICSW and a CST. Very important. That is very important. Very important. I got all kinds of credentials, licensing and certification in the areas of sex and relationships. So I'm a certified sex therapist, LICSW. So what's going on, my girlfriend? Not much. I'm just thinking about what I'm going to eat for lunch. I have some cilantro Mm. lime chicken in the crock pot and it smells delicious and I can smell it. (laughs) Oh, wow. That sounds great. What time is lunch? Whenever we're done com- today, you want to come coming on over? over? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could, but we're in COVID, so I can't. Oh, we, we actually, well. we were just talking about this. So since we've started Donna's podcast, we've done all of her podcast recordings, each in our own respective homes. Mm-hmm. We've recorded so many of them and we've, we have yet to do one together in person. So <laughs> I can't wait for that day. I'm dreaming about it. It'll be fun. It will. But I love getting a, a chance to look at your beautiful background. You've got, plant, you got plants and, and paintings of plants. I do. Today I'm sitting on my futon near the, the big window. So, Aww. yeah. Cool. It's nice cool, over cool. here. <laughs> and how are you? Yeah, it looks lovely. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing great. Um, speaking of food, I'm starving. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I ate this morning, but I, I think I have a tapeworm. I don't know. Um so I think I'll be going down later to have some lovely tuna fish with fresh basil. I have a beautiful basil plant sitting in the window, so I'll be doing that. Ooh, have and, you made uh, pesto with your basil? I have not, but I have ordered pesto from Italy, and it's sitting in the cabinet. I'm just not, I'm not a, a maker of things. Um, <laughs> yeah, I leave, that, I leave that to the hubby. He's the, he's the amazing <laughs> cook i like to make things i just don't make the time and then when i have the time i'd rather be doing other things Um, i get that (laughs) but i've never made pesto have you i have made pesto um Mm -hmm. it's pretty good i like i put it on kind of everything but (laughs) of course so good for you do you put pine nuts in your pesto i have yes oh good pignolis they say i use pine nuts in everything i i like them a lot Oh, they're so delicious. They're just so they're good. Fattening. Yeah, but they're just yeah. so good, you know? So, Well, they're good, and they have to be good for you. I bet you, I don't know, I'll have to look this up. I wonder if there are omega-3s in pine nuts. I bet they just there are. So good. I bet they have good fat in them. Oh, God, I'm going to have to buy some. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to be talking about relationship scenarios, aren't we? We are. One scenario in a relationship that's a good one is if you're cooking together and eating together, isn't it? It is. Love food. I just love food. Um, but no, I know at one of our past podcasts with the with the boys in the back, we did a couple mm. of those relationship scenarios at the end, and they were really fun. And um, I think it's nice to kind of have a specific, you know, scenario to talk about. So whenever you're ready, mm-hmm. we can just jump right on in. Yes, and I'm just going to wing it here. This is exciting and fun. Uh, Go ahead. Just throw some stuff out. All right. We'll see what happens. So let's start with this one. I am a 22-year-old female, and my boyfriend is a 27-year-old male, 
and he has never discussed the future with me. And we've been together for two and a half years. What would you, you do? What would you advise on that situation? Well, it sounds like she wants to discuss the future. I guess the first thing I'd say is, well, what do you want? Um, she might say, I'd like to discuss the future. Um, and I would say, well, then go ahead and discuss it. If he doesn't want to discuss it, you know, if he's never brought it up, do it, should that should she be concerned that it's never been brought up? Or is that something that's if any other two and a half years, is that, you know, normal for some people to want to talk about it and other people to not want to talk about it? Well, sure. Uh, I mean, what it says is he has never discussed it. That doesn't mean he doesn't want to discuss it. Yeah. Right. Those can be two different things. He may not have thought to discuss it. Um, so I would, I would, uh, deconstruct those as different things. So I might say to him, you know, you have never discussed it. Um, uh, would you be open to discussing it? Would you want to discuss it? And he might say, sure. I just never thought of it. Yeah. Or he might say, no, it's something that I don't want to discuss. And if she's 22 and he's 27, um, she's might be, she might not be again. I don't want to make any assumptions. I just live in being in the moment. Um, she might be thinking about children. I don't know. It doesn't say that here. Mm -mm. No idea. But I know she's not. Or you don't, oh, I don't. Oh, I'm not aware. So, so just for everyone yeah. to know, these are just some relationship scenarios that we've found on the internet to pull, to talk about. So we yep. don't, we don't know these people. They're not anyone specific that we know or anything like that. So we're just kind of mm -hmm. discussing yeah. them. <laughs> well, so what I see, what I see in my practice sometimes, and again, this has nothing to do with the relationship scenario just described. Um, well, it has something to do with it in that sometimes people are thinking about a timeline, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if there's a young woman and she's thinking about having children, you know, she has an end date. I mean, there's an expiration date for that for women. Yeah. There is not for men. Um, so, uh, and, and you want to be thinking about you know, not only the expiration date, but as you get older, if you want children, you have to be thinking about um, the, you know, nowadays, I think it's at 34, if a woman gets pregnant she or post 34, she's considered geriatric in her pregnancy. Which is which wild is, if you think about it. It's... Listen, I'm 59 going on 60. This wasn't a thing when I was in my 30s, right? So, and I, I think part of it is maybe we know more. Um, you know, there's this idea that that eggs and sperm get older, and the older they get, the more risk there is in terms of any, you know, birth complications, et cetera. So, you know, I do have clients whereby, let's say, the young woman is in her 20s, um, maybe later 20s and she does want children and they've agreed they want children, but he's not really thinking about her, uh, you know, expiration date. <laughs> I mean, women can obviously have children, you know, well into their late 30s, 40s and all that. But, you know, uh, sometimes folks want to have kids early and get it over with while they still have youth and energy. Mm. So I would say, she, in answer to this scenario where she's 22 and he's 27 and he's never discussed the future with her after two and a half years, if she would like that, I would say she needs to be discussing that, you know, and she can do it in a, in a really lovely way. Uh, she can say, you know, I've been thinking about our future. And again, I know this is hard for people because they worry about risking rejection. And what if he's not thinking like me? Well, probably better to know that now than to spend another two and a half years. And maybe this isn't something that he ever wants. Maybe he never wants a future. Um, we don't know. 
mean, he, oh, he may. But this is the vulnerability, the authenticity. This is the idea of developing and taking risks and strong interpersonal communication and managing conflict. Those five lovely elements that I go on and on about all the time. Um, yeah, this is challenging. But the problem is just an opportunity for growth because he may say, oh, I've been thinking about that too. And I was too afraid to bring it up with you. Hmm. So I'd say bring it up. Bring it up. Take the jump. Yeah. Okay. Next. Yeah. And, and don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions that just because he hasn't brought it up, it doesn't mean he doesn't want to. It just means he hasn't. This is this idea of, <clears throat> excuse me, being in the moment, being right in the here and now and being so mindful in life. All right. Next scenario. I am a 32-year-old female. I've known that I'm bisexual for years and have come out to my family and friends before now, but I've never managed to get far enough with a woman to get down in the quote unquote dirty. She says, I finally met a girl who's 34 and I think she's awesome. We talk all day, every day and have now had a number of fantastic dates. I often go to bed thinking about her. And the first thing I want to do when I wake up is message her. We're starting to get to the point where things are likely going to get a bit more active, but I'm pretty nervous about my complete lack of experience when it comes to women. Should I tell her? Well, um, <clears throat> I would say yes. For, Talk to her. For, for yeah. couples like that where it might be hard for them to start having that discussion, are there any tools that you'd have to, or like statements or exercises that might be good to get them started in having that difficult or seemingly difficult conversation? Well, I would say start from a positive. So... Uh, you know, does is this person aware of their lack of awareness um, in, in their sexuality with women? Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. So the answer is yes. Um, but but, you know, so what? Uh, you know, and, and I don't mean so what? I, I just mean. It's also about who you are being sexual with. So, mm -hmm. you know, women's bodies are beautiful, complicated things and so even each woman is so different in terms of what are pleasure points for her or what turns her on. Mm -hmm. So uh, do you want to get more developed um, in your in your um, bisexuality in, in terms of sex with this woman that, that, you know, she's very attracted to? Sure. But just knowing also that, you know, getting to know her body in particular is something that will be really wonderful and interesting. So I would say start start with a positive and she can just say, look, I really want to get to know you and what turns you on. And, and, and you know, again, being authentic, saying, you know, I've been uh, more with men than with women. Um, I mean, that that's part of who you are and that's part of what what makes you unique. And I would say don't, you know, try not to be afraid of talking about that. I know that's going to bring up insecurities, but... This is this is part of your history and part of your experience and and that makes you unique. So get going. Well, and I think, you know, we've talked before couples that talk about sex have better sex. Right. We've talked about that yeah. before. And I think maybe for, you know, these two women, that would be an amazing way for them to start. You know, if, if she's worried about diving in right away, like test the waters mm -hmm. a little bit, you know, talk about it, see how it. See how it goes. Yes, you're right. Yeah, thanks. That, that's good that you remember that. Yeah, the more open and direct we are with our partners, the better. 
Um, sometimes we don't know what turns us on. You know, this is why I'm always encouraging people to self-touch, to be in a good sexual relationship with yourself for the sake of sexual health. You know, I'm very interested in people's sexual health as a part of their overall health, their mental health, their physical health, their optimal health state. So sexual health includes getting to know oneself, what what turns you on, um, self-touch, masturbation, uh, all of that lovely stuff that is so positive and, you know, uh, you know, washes the brain in these beautiful chemicals. I mean, look, we <laughs> live in COVID now. So, you know, why not think about sex as a beautiful point of pleasure that we can all experience for ourselves, with our partners? I mean, it's just a great thing to be thinking about, looking forward to, planning, exploring, you know, it's just it's just wonderful that we that we have this at our disposal and access to sex, you know, with our partners and for ourselves. I'm always recommending women find a lovely uh, vibrator for themselves, a, a safe, you know, silicone based, safe, made of safe materials, et cetera, to explore themselves. I've got clients who tell me it's, you know, the best $27 they've ever spent in their lives. <laughs> um, they've gone from no desire to high desire. Oh, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. Um, and, you know, sharing that with your partner, even, I know that can sound really intimidating and scary, but it's just, it. believe me, it, it's just fun. I shouldn't say believe me. I hate that. But <laughs> I, I can tell you based on what I hear from my clients and what I know um, to be true, that it is a, just a lovely way forward to be thinking about sex as part of what can light you up in life. You know, passion, play, pleasure, right? You know, that's my motto. So That's a great motto to have because it's yeah. true. You know, you want those things yeah. in life. Oh, of course. I mean, when you think about... What brings you pleasure? That can be, you know, sexuality and intimacy. That can be one thing. I know, Vicki, that you love music and musicals. Um, <laughs> you know, I myself am a musician and I have found so much joy in music in my life um, and theater too and art. You know, going, you know, used to be before COVID when you could, well, maybe you still can go to a museum. A lot of them are closed. You know, art and just all of those beautiful creative aspects of life. Um can be a source of pleasure. So why not sex too? Because we can get creative there. Absolutely. Okay. Next. Yeah, so I, I think that that was a great, that was a great question. And, and I highly encourage, and if people don't know how to have that conversation again, uh, sex and couples therapy is a place that's a safe place to have it. Uh, things get very normalized. Um, and so that's, that's one possible way to, to address it. Cause don't forget. So go on. Everything is normal. Yeah. Except the things that aren't, <laughs> right? Isn't that how you phrased it? <laughs> yes, and there are so few that are not normal. Yes, yes. I mean, look, there are there are things out there that are stressful, that are traumatic. Um, but the way that we respond, usually we are responding very normally to uh, sometimes what... It, there's a phrase, you know, normal responses to non-normative experiences mm. is a phrase. So, you know, if someone, you know, is... Going through, you know, war, let's say, or or rape, or you know, incest, or you know, something um, that's traumatic or or injurious. I mean, usually all of our responses are normal responses for the most part. So yeah, pretty much everything's normal. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to the next scenario. Let's see. My husband is a thirty-year-old male. I am a thirty-year-old female. 
We have been together for 12 years. And lately, he is just really distracted and suddenly uninterested in our relationship and seemingly me. He says it's just work, but I'm worried there's another woman. Am I being paranoid? How do I approach the subject? What a good question. Um, so let's see. Again, what I would say is... You know, it's important not to make assumptions. We don't really know what's going on until we inquire. We are meaning-making creatures as humans. So if there's missing information, we make stuff up to connect the dots. So it's, very, again, very normal, right, that she might be thinking that there could be somebody else since he's not expressing interest in her, Um and, you know, I often hear women say, oh, you know, I have this radar and I just kind of, I, I, I can't put my finger on it, but I have this feeling that something's going on. And, you know, that, that can be true. Mm. Um, but feelings aren't facts necessarily. Um, and feelings are important. They're sometimes or often they're not as important as we think they are. So it's really important to to get the information and to to have a conversation as vulnerable as that might leave a person, um, as scary as it might be to be thinking about having, you know, taking a risk like that. Uh, because the fear is, you know, what if you have the conversation and your husband says, yeah, there is another woman, right? Okay. Now that's a whole other <laughs> can of worms that's just been opened mm. there. So, um, uh, and, well, or I guess we could say Pandora's box, but, but even with Pandora's box in, in that, um, story there is a a happy ending there is something good at, at in the end at the bottom so so there's hope um and even though it's it's difficult maybe processing it and going through it i would just say to say to him listen honey i have noticed that you seem really distracted and suddenly uninterested in our relationship and me i'm thinking that it could be work but i'm also worried that there might be someone else in the picture Am I being paranoid here? <laughs> I mean, she could just say that to him. Right. Now, it's up to him, right, whether he is truthful with her, honest with her, authentic with her. And then, you know, look, all we have to go on is what, what is being presented to us. If we have hard evidence that there is some affair going on, well, then I suppose you can talk about the hard evidence. Um, but yeah, I, I would say she, she's making, I'm not going to say she's being paranoid. I, I might say she's being, making an assumption because if she doesn't have any evidence that there's another woman, um, well then there may very well not be. It could just be that he is, he's thinking about, he might be thinking about where he's going to take her on the surprise vacation. <laughs> he's secretly planning for her, uh, 31st birthday. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, we really just don't know. I know. So I'm not going to make any assumption. Here's another good point about couples and sex therapy. I will never make an assumption about what's going on in your relationship until your partner's in the room. I can't work uh, with a couple unless both people are present. So I, I don't do it with individuals. I wouldn't say to an individual, you know, if I, if this person was coming to me individually, I might say, well, let's, let's invite your husband in. Um, or I might say, you know, I highly recommend couples therapy for this particular topic. But all you and I can do in individual therapy 
to my client if she's alone there telling me this is, you know, let's talk about how you can cope for yourself. You know, I highly recommend you, you go to him and ask him. What I just said is what I would encourage her to do. Yeah. And I wouldn't make any assumptions about him if I don't have that information. I mean, I can't tell you the countless times that I've worked with people in individual therapy and then they have their partners come in. Let's say I've met with them once or twice. The partner comes in. And it's a whole new story. Mm. Yeah, there, there, are th- there are three sides to every story, right? <laughs> both, both the partners and then, and then the, the side of, of the relationship. Right. In a sense. And I think it's, I think just a, th- a theme from two out of the three that we've talked about so far is making assumptions. And it's just so mm. easy to make an assumption to try to figure out what's going on. And you know what I mean? Be like, well, it has to be this. Well, it doesn't have to be mm. that, you know? So I think that's something else. Well, sure. Because again, you know, there's this idea that we try to make sense of the world in order to go on and move forward. If the world isn't making sense, that just brings up too much anxiety. So there's this idea of getting really comfortable with Um, becoming secure in an insecure world. You know, I often think about, and this is going to sound completely unrelated, but I'm a little bit of a a science nerd. I think in another life I might have wanted to be a planetary scientist or something. Not that I'm bright enough, but, um, you know, these folks are talking about how Earth is hanging in the Goldilocks zone. We are just so lucky that we're far enough from the sun. Mm. Uh, We're not... (laughs) You know, we're not, we're not too far away. We're not too close that, you know, life is thriving and teeming here. Um, and hopefully we will be responsible and, and take good care of this planet. But um, that's one thing that gives me great hope is that, you know, in this moment, in the here and now, we're very lucky. And we're also very lucky to live in the time we live in, I think. I mean, not COVID, but... Uh, you know, technology and civilization and, you know, I could just go to Shaw's and, and, you know, get a chicken. I don't have to have a farm. Um, so, you know, we're lucky. I, I, I consider myself lucky. Um, you know, I, I'm also, I'm just also lucky that I had a you know, pretty good family that I grew up in. I mean, there were challenges, believe me, and I've had trauma and all of that, but, but for the most part, you know, there, there's, if we can, acknowledge where we where we are lucky and what we have to be grateful for that's a nice way to live your life i agree i absolutely agree all right i love these scenarios i think these are great so to anyone listening if you have a scenario that you'd like us to talk about feel free to send it on over to us and maybe we'll talk about it in a podcast (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Maybe we could even do one of those. We, I think we talked about it like a Facebook Live. Oh, yes. Stream, a Facebook where we Live. Could do my, yeah, I, I've always had this fantasy of having like a radio call-in talk show. But of course, that radio is old now. <laughs> <laughs> like me. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that, yeah, more scenarios. If people want to write in, that would be great. Or or maybe, you know, some at some point we might do a live thing. I love that. If you love that idea... Let us know and we'll make it happen. So, yes, next scenario. Um, oh, let's pull this one. My mom was just diagnosed with cancer. I'm a 23 year old female, and my roommate and friend is a 22 year old female. My friend blew up on me for not hanging out with her and said my family issues aren't an excuse to be a bad friend. Am I overreacting by not wanting to be friends with her anymore? That's a tough well, one. Well, I would say, um, no, I don't, I, well, 
It can feel tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say that your mother has cancer. That's a really big deal. Um, Are you overreacting by feeling angry or upset? Absolutely not. It's extremely normal. Um, If you don't want to be friends anymore, that might be an extreme reaction. Perhaps the problem is an opportunity to have a conversation with your friend about the fact that you just need time to be with your mom and your family. Right. So, so maybe, so you're definitely not overreacting. I mean, again, let our feelings be the guide to, to teach us what we need. Mm. So if, if she's, uh, you know, feeling like she doesn't want to be your friend, what that's telling her is that her friend is not being a good friend. Mm. Right. Um, you know, maybe this ends up not being a long lasting friendship. That's possible. Maybe that your friend doesn't understand things like this. Um, but maybe it's a, again, it's a, it's an opportunity to say, look, I know that you need me too, but I can only, um, you know, there's only so many hours in the day and so many ways in which I can split myself. And I, you know, if you're not happy with this, I'm really sorry to hurt you. But I, I, let's see, what is it? Uh, oh, she blew up on me uh, for not hanging out with her. Right. So family issues. Yeah. Aren't an excuse. Well, no, that's, that's, yeah, that's silly. I mean, she's, she's got to pay attention to, to the, um, to the issue at hand. I mean, this is, this is very difficult news. Um, and I would say it's understandable that she's upset with her friend for not supporting her in this news about her, her mom and cancer. I mean, that's what good friends do, right? That's Does tough. that answer the question? I think so. And it's tough. I know we talk about a lot of the times the issues that um, couples in relationships, you know, like loving relationships. What's the correct term? Significant. Like other your significant, other, significant other, things yeah. like that, that they come to and family issues is is important. But I think... Something that people need to remember, and this is just my own observation um, that I take in my own life, is that, you know, your friendships are relationships, too. And you have to, you know, work through friendships mm. the same way you would work through a romantic romantic relationship. That was the word I was looking for. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you have to have those same communication skills and that same awareness of what the other person is going through and all of those things, mm. right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that she needs to say to her friend, look, I get that you're upset with me. Um, please don't blow up on me. I'm dealing with a, a, a grave issue here with yeah. my mother getting a cancer diagnosis. And I'm sorry that I can't be there for you in exactly the way you'd like me to. Um, but please be a good friend. I need a and minute. Give me some space. <laughs> I need a minute. Yeah, exactly. I'm right. dealing with a lot. I need a minute. Exactly. Yeah. Talk to the hand and uh, I'll be back. Hopefully you'll still be my friend because if something was happening for you, I would hope that I could be supportive of you dealing with a crisis. This is a crisis that I'm going through. And, you know, please, I hope you can be understanding. And if not, then, you know, if I can't fit the bill as your friend, sorry, I suppose you have to move on. Tough. Those are tough. Um, Do you want to do, do you want to do one more? If we have time. I think we have time for one more. Let's do one more. Sure. Okay. All right. Um, I'm a 24-year-old female. How do I address needing to feel genuinely wanted by my boyfriend, who is a 24-year-old male, without seem without seeming pushy 
accusatory, or discrediting his own personal issues. So I would need more information because I don't know what she means by personal I issues. I don't either. So let's just let's so, just focus on the first half. So if you are in a relationship mm-hmm. and, you know, you are needing more affection or you you need to feel more wanted, what are ways that, you know, a couple could start to work through that? Well, she needs to be very specific with him. Mm. We need to be clearer with our partners than we think we need to be. Ooh. So I would, if let's say this couple was sitting in my office, mm-hmm. you know, I would say to her, well, what is it specifically um, that helps you? What is it that he can do specifically that would help you feel more wanted? You know, is it um, taking you to your favorite restaurant? Is it, you know, making the reservation? Is it uh, scratching your back, you know, three times a week? I, you know, what is it specifically that makes you feel genuinely wanted by him? Mm. Um, that's one aspect of it. But the other aspect of it is... Um, you know, how happy is she in her own life? I'd want to take a look at that. Um, is she someone who is able to meet her own needs and, and take care of herself and therefore able to be very specific and say, hey, you know, here's what makes me really happy. How about we do this? How about we go here? How about we do this? Can you give me a back scratch? You know, I'll, I don't know, I'll give you a head rub. I don't know. You know, just again, I'm really interested in in how productive couples are, mm. uh, the productivity in their lives, in their uh, domain, in their ecology, how they live, how they uh, do do their re- how they do their relationship, yeah. rather than talking about their relationship, right? So um, I would just say, you know, what makes you feel wanted? Let's talk about that specifically, because maybe he doesn't know. And oftentimes, I'll hear people say, "Oh, yes, I've said it time and time again." So then I'll turn to the partner and say, okay, what's up? Uh, you know, right. How, how can you remember these things? Do you need to write it down? Do you need to like put it in the phone on a timer? You know, cause if something is important to your partner, it's important. Right. And, and you've got to be able to, uh, you know, make, make your partner feel that you love them and want them. And the way that you maybe feel loved and wanted, of course, is maybe a little different and how your partner back to this idea of the love languages, right? That yeah, that sweet that sweet little book that can be very useful. Um, but I, 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 that's that's really useful. The other part of it that is so important, though, is to be able to say, speak up, and say, "Here's what I love. I love walking down the street with you, and when you walk on the outside." Um, where the cars are and I walk on the inside um, and we hold hands. That makes me feel genuinely wanted. Great. So do that. And you don't have to wait for him to do that. You can set that up yourself. You can start walking down the street, put your little self on the inside and you can take his hand and enjoy. I, I know like for myself, sometimes I just have, uh, I feel like since COVID I've started doing this thing where I'll just walk when Brandon and I are both working from home. Sometimes I'll just walk into the living room. You know, I'll, I'll be working in the spare room. He'll be working in the living room. And I'll just be like, I just need a hug. Can I have a hug? And I'll just 
I don't know yeah. how many times a day I'll just come out and be like, can I have a hug? I need a hug. And he's like, of course yeah. you can have a hug. And I think it's, it's, but I think right. for some people it might be scary to feel needy in a way or to feel like you're being annoying or to feel whatever. I personally will just come out and he'll be like, I just gave you a hug two minutes ago, but you can have another hug. I'll be like, okay, thanks. And then I feel good. And I walk back into my little yeah. office. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That, that's it. You know, <laughs> Vicky, you can take my job. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, totally. It's hard though. Yeah. It's hard to ask for a hug. Oh, no, not for me, but not for I think, you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think for some people it can definitely be hard to, it's putting your out, mm-hmm. putting yourself out there in a way, right? And it's, it's making yourself feel yeah. vulnerable. And I know just from mm-hmm. listening to you talk um, for as long as we've been doing these podcasts, I think a theme is people don't like feeling vulnerable and it's, it's, it's yeah. tough for them. Yeah. And we have expectations that our partner will respond the way we imagine they will. So, uh, I love that you do that, Vicki. Uh, Brandon is a lucky guy. You're going to have a great life together. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, my clients are, I'm sure really tired of me telling my ooh and ah story. Of, in my own marriage, did I ever tell you this? Oh, I think we've mentioned it once, but mention it again because it's a great story. Yeah, so my ooh and ah story is the following. I used to do lots of stuff in the yard. I still do. And I would love for my husband to come out and see what I did. I raked the leaves. I planted things. I moved some rocks around, whatever. <laughs> um, even inside the house too, right? And I, I used to have this fantasy or this unrealistic expectation that he would notice, as I would notice... Uh, and so he often didn't notice, still doesn't <laughs> notice because it's not on his radar. It's not his thing. So now I have just realized that I can say to him, hey, honey, I want you to come see what I have done here. And what I'd love is if you just say, ooh, and ah, when I show you. <laughs> and so I'll show him the thing, the plant, the whatever, the paint job. And I'll say, look, <laughs> and he'll go, ooh, ah, and I'm so happy when he does that. And I don't worry about the part where I've asked him to do that or given him the script. Mm. I just, I just let myself sort of sink into, not sink, well, yeah, relax into this idea that I'm hearing him say ooh and ah, because that's really what I want. And I don't worry about the, the part that came before, which is I gave him the script. Yeah. You know, this idea of, <laughs> I want my partner to say, I love you. I want my partner to tell me how attractive I am. Well, then ask for it. I, I want a hug. Ask for it. Yeah. And and don't worry about the part that you asked for, because your partner can't read your mind. I think that's it for scenarios. Go. Is there anything else you wanted to, to touch on today? Um, no, I mean, I think that that's it. That was really fun. I love I love winging it like that. It's a little um, different than, you know, I, I liked it, though. I thought it was a, a good little exercise. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully our listeners will like it too. And yeah, there is this sweet little quote, and I may have said this before, but it's I think it's related to vulnerability. And, and I'll, I think it bears repeating. So Rainier Maria Rilke, who was a poet in the early 20th century, wrote a book called Letters to a Young Poet in 1929. And one quote from Rilke is the following. When it comes to vulnerability, we can think in this way. Rilke says, perhaps all the dragons in our lives are princesses who are only waiting to see us act just once with beauty and courage. Perhaps everything that frightens us is, in its deepest essence, something helpless that wants our love. 
So I think that's how we can think about vulnerability. You know, we just give, give yourself a little, a big hug or a little hug and then go on in and, you know, ask your partner for what you need and want that's going to make you feel good and move forward to have more positive moments. Well, thanks, Vicki. This was fun. Thanks again to our lovely, I shouldn't say boys in the back. They're the men in the back, right? Paul and Justin. Thanks, guys. And uh, we'll see you next time or we'll hear you next time or we'll know you're out there next time. Uh, Please check out my Facebook page at The Sex and Couples Therapist. On Instagram, it's The Happy Ending Therapist. Feel free to call the office if you're desiring sex and couples therapy. Uh, The the number is 508-990-9909. And the website is www.sexandcouplestherapy.com. And again, please always make time for pleasure, play, and passion. See you next time.